and welcome to episode 770 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Monday, January 20th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. It's position preview time! Dun, 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 dun. We're getting Let's them started. No, we're not going to go in the traditional way. I, uh, I, don't, I don't think that that's the right way to do it personally. I mean, I guess there's no wrong way to do it, but... There's no think, wrong way to do it. I think it's that you really should go. Dangerous. Yeah, that could be, well, especially right now because yeah. it's so up in the air still. Uh, but I think, you know, the traditional way around the diamond is, is a little, little boring. And I like to kind of mix it up a little bit. We did this last year. We're going to do it again this year. We're going to start with shortstop. Um, we might go short, third, outfield, SP, first, second, Catcher RP. Perfect, because I think I'm going to release my third base ranks uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday, and okay. then my outfield ranks either Thursday or Friday. So I said so. short, third, outfield, SP, 1B, 2B, C, RP. Is that right? Is that how I said it? Sure. I don't know. I wasn't listening. You agreed to it. <laughs> you were listening. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So that's how we're going to do them over the next few weeks. Um, they may not necessarily be directly in order. You know, if, if news pops up on something, we'll definitely jump in on that. But news is light, particularly today. There's like none. There's like mm-hmm. none. And um, obviously, we've had such a great hot stove that that makes sense. Remember this time last year, there was none and everyone was still unsigned. It was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. But uh, now we're just, uh, you know, we're getting some trickle moves. I guess Drew Smiley, you know, going to the Giants could be a little Woo-hoo! something if he has any health just because Giants pitchers in that park can be interesting but i don't really need to give him a full mention there because he's such a deep format play so let's get into this so what we're going to do if if you want to follow along um and it obviously could change uh, unless you make sure that it's january 1st through january 20th but we're always going to start with the draft champions adp at the nfbc so i will put the link in the description uh, and then you can click it. You have to then change the dates yourself. And you can put 1-1-2020 to 1-20-2020. And then just select draft champions from the all, uh, it'll say all drafts, non-auction. You hit that drop down, move it to draft champions, hit the position to shortstop, and you can follow along. We're going to go in ADP order, grouping the guys up at the top ends, of course, for the most, uh, you know, top 10, 12, 15, depending how deep the position is. We'll talk about just about everybody. Then as we get deeper, we're going to start to pick some of our favorites, maybe give passing mentions to other guys here and there. These end up being long as it is. If we talked about everybody, we'd be doing four hours per position. So, Which uh, we could which, do. Which we could do, but yes. we're not going to. So without further ado, let's get into perhaps the deepest position in the entire league. Even accounting, because anytime you talk about outfield, obviously there's all that star power at the top, but you need three or five and then guys that double qualify elsewhere, you're pulling from the outfield pool. So it's not always the deepest. Same with starting pitchers. It's like, oh, you know, this guy, they run 25 deep of all these great names, but everyone needs nine pitchers. So when you really look at it, bang for the buck, it's shortstop. And it's it's insane. We've talked about it a bit already, how deep it is. I think you're really going to underscore that here in this discussion. So let's start with the studs. I've got five as the mega studs here. And I think that ADP agrees. And I believe that, that you agree with these. And there's even kind of 
four and then the one off. But we've we've hinted mm-hmm. at him as a first rounder. Dusty and I talked about it on Friday. It's Trey Turner, who's going on average eighth overall, seven point eight. I'm in a round, uh, so sometimes guys are going to have the same number. Doesn't really matter, but I don't know that the decimals make it all that much more precise. If I if I say Francisco Lindor's eight point two versus Turner's seven point eight, they're basically eight. Um, and then Alex Bregman at eleven. Trey Turner, or excuse me, Trevor Story right around 11 as well. And then Tatis, Fernando Tatis Jr., who I'm grouping in here, it goes around 19. But he has gone into the first round. His peak is 10. I think he'll move up as draft season goes. And it's about 15 picks to the next shortstop. So I feel like putting him in there instead of on his own island is the right move here. How do you feel about this uh, this quintet? I mean, I love this quintet and well i love four of the five let's do that i okay uh, there's four guys i would love to have on my team i'm going to have a lot of shares of probably all of them especially when i'm not drafting in the uh top uh three picks so obviously you know the top three for me uh you know yelich trout acuna and whichever order you prefer i i i still am in the camp of uh you can pick any of them and, and should be pretty happy with uh, I agree. with your choice. So there's no wrong order. You can have a personal no. preference. And even if you want to throw Cole in there, I'm not going to throw Cole in there, but uh, into that top four. But I, I understand other people doing it. I agree with that as well. So uh, when I'm not drafting in the top three, though, I'm going to end up with one of these guys. Uh, I've already ended up with a couple shares of Turner and a couple shares of. Lindor and one share of uh, Tatis. Uh, I love Trevor Story. Uh, the guy that I don't want out of this group, and it's not that I dislike him, is Alex Bregman. And it has nothing to do with the cheating scandal. Okay. Uh, so, like, we can just start with that. I don't think he is a bad player. I don't think he is going to massively regress because he can't cheat. Um, I don't even think it's because he gives really stupid, canned answers when asked about cheating. Uh, I think it is largely because he doesn't steal, and these other guys do. And and in this particular instance, obviously that that makes a lot of sense there because I do think you know holding uh, the idea of holding Nolan Arenado out of the first round doesn't really fly with me because he doesn't steal. But when you're looking at this group of five, four of them run, mm-hmm. and the fifth who doesn't to kind of put him out on his island for Alex Bregman as opposed to somebody else, I I think that that. That passes the the sniff test as far as uh, being adequate reasoning uh, why you're going to kind of move on. You know, 17, 10, but then five last year. And he's Mm -hmm. played full seasons in all three of them for Bregman. He could spike maybe back up to 10, 11. But you're talking about transcendent numbers from the other four as far as steals go. With Turner, uh, Lindor, Story, and Tatis Jr., they're here to run. And they're here to flex that speed, whereas it's more of a chip-in sort of deal with Bregman. We don't know who the manager's going to be. Maybe he's a little bit more run-friendly. I just don't know that we would even see a run-friendly manager get Bregman to higher than, like, 12 to 13. So I'm with you on that, and I'm with you on the idea that if I'm not picking a top three, four pick, I'm very likely to wind up with one of these guys. Mm -hmm. And it becomes that question of, well, you just talked about how deep shortstop is. Why are you taking one? right off the rip. Well, there's still super elite players and there's other positions I could flex this depth into, whether it's uh, the next two guys who are both second base eligible, 
Um, another big time guy that we're going to talk about who's third base eligible. There's middle infield in most leagues. There's utility. And I don't mm-hmm. mind putting a shortstop at utility. So just because a, a position's deep doesn't mean you have to wait or that you should wait. I think that's too often thought of, of like, well, it's a deep position. I'm just going to wait. You can still be behind. It's that same theory of there's a ton of power, so I'm going to wait on it. No, there's a ton of power, so you need to be in and making sure that you're keeping up with everybody. If you wait too long on shortstop and you're not getting major advantages everywhere else, then you're behind. So I I like to flex the depth of the position by stocking up on shortstops as opposed to waiting. Do you feel similarly there? Or would you take a stud and then not take another shortstop until – you know, super late. How, how do you how do you approach the position at large if you end up with one of the mega studs? I, I tend to wait for a while unless I feel I'm getting a good discount somewhere. So like I'm I'm not going to if I, if I'm at pick a hundred and I see that Marcus Simeon is still on the board, it's gonna be really hard for me not to just take the you know twenty five pick discount uh, or so middle. yeah and put him in middle. Uh, I mean, so for me, it's all about value. I, it's just probably it's more of a tiebreaker thing. If I've already filled my shortstop, then the tiebreaker is going to go to another position that I haven't filled, especially one that's more shallow. So, you know, because there are, while, I mean, I think I ranked 53 shortstops. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, there's a ton of depth. Uh, that being said, there isn't a ton of depth at other positions. And so, if I feel like there's a cliff coming in another position, I'll probably pivot away from shortstop, but it's not going to sure. prevent me just because I got Lindor doesn't mean I'm going to now like throw my shortstop like list to the side until exactly. late, late in the draft. It's you, you take the best player that fits your team in the moment. Yep. And I, I agree with that. I'm not closing the book on the position just because I got my first one there. Now of those four that you love putting Bregman off to the side a little bit, let's assume Tatis is ADP bumps up but maybe not quite to their level which is uh eight to eleven for the for the other four let's say he's more of an adp 13 14 but obviously he's still close there at those costs if we assume that that's what the march costs are who do you want the most if you pick if you're picking like 11 and all of them are available let's say turner and lindor fall Mm -hmm. Uh, or let's say you're picking nine or ten, so so it's kind of in between both groups there. Who would you want the most if all four of your guys that you like there were available? Lindor. I Lindor's mean, your number one. Okay. Yeah, he he, he was my number one guy uh, when I released my shortstops ranking. I think at the end of last year, uh, he missed the first three weeks of the season and still went thirty-two twenty-two. Ridiculous. And, and could ridiculous. move to a better team if you know some of the rumors we're hearing are true. I actually put so, story number one in my rankings. I don't have a problem um, with that though. Like that's, I think this is very similar to what we were just talking about in terms of talking about the number one overall pick. Yes. I, I think you've got a real argument that three guys, especially could be at the top of your shortstop rankings. And that's Lindor Turner and story. I think Tatis is a and Tatis and Bregman are kind of a close four or five right there. And then there's just a mini cliff before you get to the next tier. Absolutely. And hang on. I missed somebody. I think. Oh, no, no. I wrote him. Okay. Uh, let's go into the next tier then because obviously uh, one of the things that I, I, I want to avoid doing is spending too much time on the, on the elite guys all the time mm-hmm. because they get covered to death. So let's jump down to the next tier here. And uh, these guys are still great. You could take them as your pre- 
primary shortstop, you'd be doing fine. Glaber Torres, who has the second base eligibility. Jonathan VR, who also has second base eligibility. And I believe could gain third because he's kind of penciled in there for the Marlins right now, at least on roster resource. We'll see how that plays out. But VR could be working triple eligibility, you know, a week into the season if he does indeed play third for them. Aldoberto Mondesi, Xander Bogarts. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not saying the ADPs. Torres, 34. VR, 35. Mondesi, 36. Xander Bogarts, 40. Javi Baez, 41. So that's a tight-knit group there, another little quintet, and they really go in a similar area. Basically, if you take outfielder, pitcher, whatever in the first round, you can come back in the second round there uh, or early third and get your get your shortstop then. What do you think of this group of five? Uh, it's an interesting group. You've got Bogarts, who's about as steady as they come and super stable but not super sexy. And then you've got the guys that are very sexy uh, in Torres, VR, and Mondesi. But I think all have at least, I, I don't want to say warts, uh, maybe red flags is the the sure. right term for them. And then I think Baez is uh, like a mixture of the two. Let, let's uh, go over to those, those cool, we'll call them question marks if mm-hmm. you want. Even if you don't want to go all the way to, to red flag there. Because I can hear you on that. Um, I'm curious of what, what the one is for a certain guy, though. So let's start with Glaber Torres. What, what do you find his question to be? Okay, did you know that his triple slash against major league teams last year was 267, 316, 470? Mm-hmm. Um, say, oh. say, say the last two again. What was his OPS? Was it 783? Uh, uh, I didn't do it. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> 267, 316, 470 was his triple slash against major league teams. Okay, but so then he so- got to play the Orioles a bunch and hit yes. 394, 467, 1.045. So it's funny you say that because in my shortstop rankings, my comment is had a solid 783, 25 homer, 70 ribby, 74 run versus non-Baltimore teams. <laughs> so basically did the same thing that you did. And I, I, mm-hmm. I love the joke that you said there against major league teams. However... Are he they gets not? to play them. Yeah, no, I mean, he gets to play them a bunch. Yes. Uh, so it's like, that's why I still have him ranked sixth. Yes, okay. There is just a bit of worry that uh, maybe like you Baltimore... You can't do that again. Like, you can't no, do that. I mean, Baltimore's going to be so bad. But, uh, like, at some point, does Baltimore just decide to throw at him as opposed to to him? Or, or, or literally just you know, almost bonds him. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if he starts off that hot again and just start walking and pitching around him, you know, yeah. uh, hopefully they don't start throwing the baseball at him. But, yeah, start start to avoid him. If he stays that electric, Glaber Torres absolutely obliterated them. Do you have his numbers handy of what he did against them? Uh, in terms of uh, homers and, and steals? Homers or and OPS or whatever? Because I, I, I just have the triple slash in front of me. Yeah, go, go ahead. What was it against Baltimore? It was uh, 394, 467, 1.045. That's so dumb. 13 but, homers then. Yeah. Uh, if you do the math there, because it was you said 25 against everybody else, and he had 38. 13 homers in 18 games. And you know what's yeah. funny? He didn't start one of them. Yeah. They, they, they brought him in. They, they, they showed mercy and brought him in midway through a, a game there. So he was Torres, their closer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Um, and it's fair to say, like, again, maybe not red flag question mark of, like, 
can he put up a 15-12 again? You would not bet on that because even if he puts up a 950 against them, that's still great, but it cuts into his bottom line numbers. Of course, the counter could be, well, maybe he improves against the rest of the league and it evens itself out, but I hear you on that. What's Jonathan Villar's question? I mean, it's a new team. Will they let him run the way that Baltimore did? I think they will. I think he is... Uh, I mean, I talked about this uh, yesterday with uh, Jason because uh, there are a lot of people who are very scared of Jonathan VR and kind of the falling off the map uh, that we uh, saw with him uh, uh, previously. Yeah. But, you know, the thing I pointed out is he didn't fall off the map. Like, right. he still put up numbers. Like, in, in his down year, he stole 23 bases and hit 11 home runs. Now, that's not what you paid for. That's a hell of a lot better than some guys who actually fall off the map. So, and, and then he's had two good seasons in a row already. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not even sure that it's reasonable to be worried about some big fall off because he surged back up in 2018 at 14 and 35 homers and stolen bases for VR, and followed it up with 24-40 last year. Yeah. So, like, is it even reasonable to expect him to really fall off? He had injury and underperformance in 2017. Like, you got to give him some leeway uh, on that. It was clearly his worst season. And he still, like you said, gave you 11 and 23. And depending on how you filled in that position, uh, that that roster spot still might have been valuable. It wasn't second round valuable, which is where that VR was going that year. But it wasn't ruined my entire league bad either. And the, a lot of the issues were defensive, that he was so bad yes. defensively and made so many mistakes defensively that he was costing the Brewers games and they were in a playoff race. Miami's not going to be in sort of playoff race. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I think I can, I can firmly watch. They'll go on to win the pennant. Um, but yeah. Uh, they, yeah, they're not going to, they're not going to be in the playoff race. Uh, and I mean, this is a team that just signed Corey Dickerson to play the outfield. So I don't necessarily know that they care that much about having a super strong defense. Hey, 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 how are you gonna talk about Gold Glover, Corey Dickerson like that, good sir? <laughs> My boy, C Dick. Hey, he I mean, greatly, greatly improved himself. Now I do think part yes, of that he, was having. He was, a, a, uh, he was also atrocious last year defensively. He had a strong center fielder to protect it. Well, he played what, forty games last year? Seventy-eight. Yeah, I mean, an injury-riddled season. I'm not. Uh, it's really obscures the point. It doesn't really matter here. <laughs> Point I mean, is, like, don't, uh, don't get me wrong. Like, was that was 2018 very uh, impressive, you know, for him defensively? He, he definitely uh, had a really, really nice year, deserved the gold glove and all that. Uh, at the same time, he's he's been a negative defensive player by the metrics every season except for 2018. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's one outlier. It's the year he was good at defense. Hey, but he won a gold glove, so don't you besmirch his good name. Uh, so, yeah, Jonathan VR should be fine there as far as getting his playing time and unless he's you know just kicking the ball all over the place. He's not a good defender, but I don't think he's terrible. Um, and, and maybe the questions are a little bit overblown with regards to him. Mondesi, I know it's the shoulder. I don't really think we need to go shoulder, in on that. Yeah. Um, uh, Bogarts, he doesn't have that. He's the one in this group you say doesn't really have a question. No, he doesn't. I think he's about as stable as they come. And I, I agree. I'm, and – I, I would probably say that Baez is is pretty darn stable as well. So I mean, both these guys uh, are are guys that I don't end up with a lot because I don't look at them as like players in this you know in the spots that they're going where I'm like, wow, this is a guy I need to have on my team. 
but I think especially I know you're a big Bogarts guy, and he did take a huge step forward to the power last year. Yeah, uh, I ranked him fifth actually. Yeah, and I mean I don't have a, ooh who'd you? Tatis is below him. Wow, really? This was on October seventh, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think I think you need to to flip that now. Um, well, one guy has played six years, and the other guy has played six minutes. So that's true. I get that, but I think the speed alone. Well, you know, I don't great. have I, I don't have a problem with it. I would have a problem with it if all of a sudden before uh, opening day the Red Sox start selling off all their pieces. Here's a, here's a little something that I, I wonder if I, if I think I need to maybe push you on a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not as distinct, but you don't seem to be having any of the concerns for Tatis that you did for Mondesi. Because he does walk a bit, but he has the crazy swing and miss as well. And he had a 410 Babbitt propping him up. What if that comes back down to normal, and even normal for him should be higher than average because of his speed, uh, Babbitt guy, uh, speed guys can set their Babbitt higher. They're going to chase out more infield hits, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what if he doesn't improve the the strikeout rate? And he's more in like a 260, 320 range as far as his average OBP. I mean, do you not share at least like a, a, a better? I, I, I don't actually have a problem with that projection at all. Uh, he's still going to hit 30 home runs and steal 23 bases. Like that, or at least that—that's what—that's what steamer and depth charts happen for. Like, he, like going thirty twenty. Like I, I, you know me, I don't care about average. Like, <laughs> then why did it bother you so much about Mondesi? Mondesi is a matter of, uh, I mean, I still think Mondesi had the chance for like a sub three hundred on base percentage. What, sure, what was but, it but, last year? I mean, it, I with, think it was twenty forty, not thirty twenty, but twenty forty. Where in the forty is probably more valuable than the. In the 20. Again, his walk rate's half of what Tatis is. So yeah. I'm not saying it's a one to one, but I feel like you're letting him slide a little bit more than, and, and you had Monesty maybe going uh, to the I minor. Mean, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be honest. Like I was wrong on Monesty or Mondesi. Uh, like, like that's like you've no, I have no problem you pointing that out because okay. at the end of the day, had Mondesi not gotten hurt, and in the fact, even the fact that he did get hurt. He still put up a monster season. Yeah, he, st- he was still pretty right. bananas to go 943. I mean, he stole 43 bases with a sub-300 on-base percentage. That's insane. 291 on-base. Yeah, no, okay, good point. That's fine. So you've evolved on Mondesi, which... It, plus if I knew Mondesi version. was healthy, like, Mondesi would probably... Uh, and, I mean, this could still happen. Like, we start seeing him play in spring, oh, and he looks he great. Rise. Yeah, all of a sudden, he becomes... Uh, like uh, um, the siege uh, for those of you guys who are DFS guys, um, real good DFS player. He took him in the first round at AFL, mm-hmm. like pick 11 or 12. Now that seems silly now, but if Mondesi, you know, comes out in spring training and looks fantastic, you know, can throw, can hit, is stealing bases. All of a sudden that's not that bad of a pick. I still well, think it was early. I- yeah, but. the only reason I don't like it is you didn't have to pay that. You could yeah, have gotten exactly. him in the second round. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it could certainly pan out. And Mondesi will be set to rise if he comes into spring looking healthy, hitting the ball, playing every day, You know, not coming out of games or, or saying, ah, this is hurting him, the shoulder's uh, been bum, and so he's going to miss three spring training games here. If it's all free and clear, 
almost regardless of the performance. If he's just playing every day and everything's fine, Mondesi's going up. And he could be yeah. in that. He could make the uh, the five-pack a six-pack and mm-hmm. join uh, Tatis up there into the first round with those now, other four guys. I will run very, very far away because I still don't love the idea of a guy with a sub-300 on base percentage and stolen bases being his you know, main skill because mm-hmm. uh, that, that's super scary to me, uh, especially with Matheny, who has uh, shown no desire to push it on the base paths. Now, I, I think that Matheny will probably adjust somewhat to the personnel that he has because he's got a team that like that that really strength is in in running the bases. Yeah. Uh, that being said, like there's a big difference if he only gets to attempt, uh, you know, forty or thirty five uh, stolen bases as opposed to the fifty attempted last year. True. We'll have to see what happens there. I will say. Jeff Zimmerman did an article that showed that maybe Matheny doesn't hate stolen bases as much as we think. And so, and if he, if he trusts the personnel that he has to run, which is plentiful on that team, uh, hopefully he doesn't slow them down because he certainly shouldn't. Um, now, Javi Baez, it is interesting, right? Because when he came up, the volatility was so because of his swing and miss and uh, lack of walks. The swing and miss is still there, but it's it's much more palatable, especially in today's mm-hmm. era. As long as you're high 20s and you kind of avoid that 30s mark, even with a 4 5% walk rate, with the skills that he shows, he's actually, you know, become pretty steady. And everyone pegged him to, to really fall off last year. He fell off a bit, but it was really only the volume because he missed some time. Mm-hmm. If, he, if he'd have gotten a similar game count to the uh, 2018 output, which was uh, 160 games, 645 plate appearances – he might have damn well matched what he did because he really wasn't that far off. He would definitely matched the homers. The stolen bases would have been a little shy. But that fall off that everyone was project- projecting for Baez did not come to fruition. And now he enters his age 27 on the heels of two great and one solid season because even 2017 was pretty good. And I tend to agree with you that he's, he's relatively steady here. And so um, you just kind of take him enjoy i think it's single eligibility this year yeah you know he's always a candidate to add positions because you never know how the season's going to play out as far as injuries and that's a nice little you know potential thing to have in your back pocket too you don't draft him because of that but it could be nice yeah my favorite thing is seeing people comp prospects to javi baez and not realize that javi baez has generational hand talent oh yeah his 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 hand speed is unlike things we've seen before and like and that's why he can get away with uh you know striking out so much not walking uh and not necessarily like you would think a guy like who does what he does would have really high you know extremely high contact rates uh he doesn't necessarily have those uh he's just a guy that he his hands are so fast it's just it's it's unbelievable and we see it on both sides of the ball Mm -hmm. oh yeah you definitely see it when he when he's in the field uh, I mean, I don't know that he's going to pick up eligibilities this year because who are they going to put at shortstop? No, it, it, it's not That's, something that you're that you're buying. You're not yeah. buying for that. I'm saying it's like a back pocket thing that could happen. Who knows? Who knows how the season plays out? Without I, Russell on this team, I just well, – I mean, I guess they could play Horner, but yeah, when Horner came up, he played – he played mostly second, right? Because yeah, Baez was there again. Yeah, it, it, it would, it would, it, it's not, it's, it was a throwaway comment. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't matter. It's just something that's that's always there. And plus, doesn't even need to like play anywhere permanently. 
mm-hmm. you know, five five games in most leagues in season, um, you know, and they could pick up somebody. I don't know. I'm just saying it's something that in the past he's had and it's been big for Baez. He could gain it on the fly this year. We'll see. And uh, that being right. said, I really like Baez and, and where he's gone. It's, is, it's, is he your favorite of this group? No, I think VR is my favorite. I think okay. VR has such huge upside with more safety than people are giving him credit. I agree with that. Uh, but I think Baez is a, a close second in terms of who I like in this group. Okay. I think uh, I think Bogart's VR is the, is the duo for me. Mm-hmm. I know Bogart's doesn't run. I just love the bat so much, though. And I got to be honest, even after last year's excellent season, I'm not sure we've seen the best from him. I'm not, I'm not tacking on to his projection this year and taking, you know, 19 and adding to it. But I'm saying if he basically did 19 again with like a 330 average, I wouldn't be surprised. I just the, the talent there is so rich, but he doesn't run. So he does kind of have those Bregman, uh, you know, questions that that you that you highlighted with with Bregman but at least he's going much cheaper than Bregman so between mm-hmm. the two of course you would you would prefer Bogarts by quite a bit because you're going to get a a round plus discount but that's it that's another interesting five pack I like all of them I could see myself rostering any of them at that uh, around their price if my if my team fit obviously you're only going to have like one maybe two picks at that point but I got no problem with anybody in that group the next group is probably the first one where you're like Waiting on shortstop, but you still want somebody very good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're not you're not waiting for some of the guys that we're going to talk about next who we like, but you would be behind the league as far as your primary shortstop. This group, you really wouldn't necessarily be behind because they could all spike big. And it's going to be Manny Machado, who also has third base eligibility. He's going around 67. Bo Bichette, 66. It's a, it's a little jump down to Marcus Simeon at 86. And Tim Anderson, they have almost identical uh ADPs. He's also around 86. Even with the decimal, it's 85.7 to 85.8. And then Carlos Correa at 92.3. And then we get a big jump down to the next guy. So we'll cut it there with Machado, Bichette, Simeon, Anderson, and Correa. Let's talk about this group. Uh, Let's start with Machado. Because I could not believe, you know, just I kind of knew he was going to be lower. But when everything started to shuffle and by the way i accidentally ranked Cattell Marte. i was kind of going off the top of my head with everything as far as my uh shortstop rankings back in october Marte will not qualify there so he doesn't count um he may for lower eligibility leagues but i used the 20 games mm-hmm. and so uh when i say i had machado 14th you should really think of it as 13 because Marte needs to be lifted from that group he only had 11 games there so your shout your your lighter position eligibility leagues We'll get Marte there, but otherwise he's outfield in second base in standard uh, eligibility. So anyway, to think of Manny Machado as the 13th, 14th, uh, even 11th, which is where he's going by ADP, shortstop is wild. It speaks to the depth, but it also speaks to the fact that it was kind of bland last year. And I know that when you're when your bland season is 32 homers, you're doing something right. Right, you're a premium player, but here's what worries me: the dude has not hit outside of Camden Yards particularly well. If you add up everything that he's done, he's hit in Camden 296, 353, 537. Everywhere else 267, 323, 449. 
And I just don't know. You know, the speed has been maddening with Machado over his career. <laughs> just just this little trio of seasons. Now, the two in 2014 was a half season, but it's 82 games, so it's that easy extrapolation of four. Even if you want to be aggressive, what, six? Uh, so, but we'll say two, 20, zero. Just right there. Could not be more maddening. But then the latest three seasons, nine, 14, five. Bottom line is you can't bet on him for anything. It, it, it is back in that Bregman class of like, you're going to get a chip in, but you're really paying for 30-90. And then the batting average, where's it going to be? 259, 297, 256. Who is the real Machado? How do you feel about Manny Machado as a superstar name, but maybe just a star fantasy player? Oh, this is a difficult one because I kind of want to give him a pass for last year in terms of not just a new park, but a new league and having to kind of, you know, these aren't pitchers he knows. Uh, Transition year. You know, we talk mm -hmm. about this. It's one of my things with pitching of not taking the guy in the big first first year on a big new deal. But the smart system that Colton and Wolfman used includes everybody. So they were almost certainly out on somebody like Machado. So you think he can bounce back up, but to what? I mean, in a down year, he still hit 32 home runs. Like, that's like that's not bad. Uh, you know, and he's one of these guys that, you know, kind of play into my uh, punt to batting average kind of strategy because here are his batting averages from the last four years. 294, 259, 297, and then last year, 256. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, good luck predicting what it's going to be this year. It all, now, you know, it's it, a lot of it's Babbitt driven. Uh, are you are you sold at all by my Camden versus non Camden point though? No, not really. Why not? Um, I think. Uh, I mean, there's obviously you got to take some away, but I mean, he, like I said, he still hit 32 home runs last year. It's not like, sure, but but what would like make the, it spike if if he has a 30 point gap between Camden and everywhere else. It's not like he has a small sample outside of Camden yards. Machado's played a lot of ball games on the road when he was with Baltimore and now a season and a half in the national league, which also cuts into your new league theory there. He played 66 games in the mm -hmm. same division that he was in with the Dodgers. I, I mean, maybe it should hurt him a little bit, but I think a slight addition to his, or a, a slight raising of the launch angle. Um, he, he dropped it by about a, a percent and a half last year. Uh, I think that help, could help a little bit. Uh, seeing the pitchers, like, I mean, his, his season is no different than his 2017 17. season. Yeah. I mean, so, like, do I think he should be going back in, like, this first, second round? No, no. that's I'm not saying that at all. Uh, but I don't think he... Are you targeting well, him as a fifth rounder from a child? I'm not. That's the thing. Like, it's hard because I want to... So, yeah, you're propping him up, up but you him. don't want him either. I don't know. Because he doesn't steal bases. And the sprint speed is down. Uh, yeah, I think he was, like, 30 percentile in sprint speed last year. 39th percentile in sprint speed. Uh I don't know that they're going to want him to run a bunch. We know he's not Johnny Hustle. Um, so if he doesn't, if he's not asked to run, he's probably not going to uh, necessarily. 
And I just think there's a lot of guys in this tier and in the next couple tiers uh, that are like have higher upside, especially in the stolen base department. So I think at this point in the draft, if I'm not, if I've got the choice between, what would you say his ADP was? 67, 68 area. I mean, I, I can't rationalize taking him over Matt Olson. Okay. You know, or even Yon Moncada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with that, by the way. I, I like both those guys you higher. Know. What what about even um, a a positional mate in Bo Bichette? who is, um, you know, only has a partial season from a rookie from 46 game sample, but was excellent and only four for eight on the bases as a major leaguer, but had a lot of base running capability in the minors that we expect to show out this year as a 20 plus stolen base campaign. Do you take Bichette or Machado at that equal ADP? That's really close. I think. Oh, Bichette's ADP is rising and Machado's is lowering a little bit. Uh, I think I take Bichette, but it's just because of the upside. And it may depend more on uh, what my team looks like construction-wise already. Like sure. if, I've, if I've already got speed... Uh, then obviously I'm going to lean Machado. If my team is already a little volatile, I'll probably lean Machado. Uh, but if I'm looking for some upside, I think you go you go Bichette and you hope that he can pop a 30 stolen base season. I I agree with that. He did steal 30 per 600 plate appearances in the minors. Bo Bichette did. Steamers got Bichette 22-24 with a 275 average. I absolutely love it. And 92 runs, by the way, because of the lineup. Mm -hmm. At least the top portion of the lineup, uh, he's going to benefit. He's batting first or second. He's going to benefit from the rest of that group driving him in. The uh, the Biggio, Guerrero, Guriel, Mm -hmm. Shaw group there. Uh, That should score Bichette quite a bit. Okay, so those two are kind of up. We jump down uh, about 18, 20 picks to Semyon, Anderson, and Correa. Then they're they're kind of a little trio by themselves. I grouped them all five together because I I find the talents to be overall similar. And then it's a big jump into our 16th uh, shortstop, which we'll get to. But with Semyon, Anderson, and Correa, first off, just off the top, if we, you know, between 85 and 92 in ADP, there's not really that different in fact their mins are 74 77 and 78 respectively they're going to be going around the same area so who do you like at the same price there the most between Simeon, anderson and correa well i mean you know my history with Simeon, and you know my history with correa do you so, not like correa so this should be pretty Tim easy anderson. right oh. <laughs> uh oh man uh, I really like Correa at the price. He's down. He's down to ninety-two. I mean, we're talking um, like I. And it, 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 here's the thing: it's it's really hard for me because I have bagged on him for years. Yep. But that's because he was going like second, third round. Like it's, well, it, it could dip further too if there's just a mm-hmm. Houston, if there's just a Houston drop that we see, which um, would be very foolish, by the way. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm here. I am here to encourage it because I want my opponents to make bad moves. Yes. Uh, I mean, if Correa is healthy, he's a, you know, dirty home run. Oh, my God. There is. Sorry to interrupt you. I did. I just bumped it to last five days, uh, 115 to 120. There's only three drafts. 
but Correa has dipped to 100. Yeah, see, I mean, I, I still prefer Simeon, and I've got Simeon ranked above him. But we're talking well. about, like, is that, like, got to be, like, a 20-pick difference? I mean, right well, now, Simeon... to the league, it might be. Yeah, so 20... If it's a 20-pick difference, I mean, that's... This is, like, eight or nine stolen bases, the difference between 20 picks. And as much as I love Simeon, and I've been a Simeon guy for a long time, a lot of shares last season, uh, which was very beneficial to me, um, like... I mean, like, Correa is, a, you know, stug when healthy. It's just a matter of if he stays healthy. And does, and Simeon's only done this twice. And there's been health issues and underperformance issues that have been mixed in to, the, to those seasons as well. So, uh, I, I, like I said, I still have Simeon above, but at, you know, a 20 or 30 pick discount, especially if Correa keeps dropping – uh, I, I, I may start leaning Korea more. Yeah. That, that's kind of a huge, again, it's only three drafts, uh, but his range isn't very disparate 91 to 111 for Korea. So it's not like there was one draft that took him 135. It really dragged it down. Um, Simeon at 86, and this is just since January 15th. Overall, our scope here has been since January 1st, but I wanted to get a recent sampling to see if anything's happened since all the Astro stuff really exploded. And yeah, Correa has dipped to 100. And that that's an eight-pick drop off the ADP that I have for the month at large, um, which is at 92. Tend to agree with you there. And I like Simeon as well. I ranked him higher. But if the cost is that different, if it's a full round plus, I think I have to go toward Correa there because I just can't find that much difference between them to justify you know, there's not really, I don't know that Correa has anything that's necessarily chronic with his injury. He has injuries that have piled up, but I don't know that it's something that, oh, I have to worry about this every single year. And if you look at his performances, even in the abbreviated season, there's only been one that's been, uh, that we would call fantasy bad. He was league mm-hmm. average, 100 WRC plus, but a 239 batting average, 15 homers, 65 uh, ribbies. And 60 runs in 468 plate appearances of 2018 is the only bad fantasy performance that we've seen from Carlos Correa. Meanwhile, Simeon's performance last year is the only truly great one that we've seen. He's had other adequate ones, and his price reflected it, but now the price is up. Uh, So what about Timmy Anderson then? Because we haven't really spoken about him. He spiked the big season there with batting average. Boy, would he have fit your uh, your batting average model there. Exactly I should have had what, more shares last year. I wish I did. It's exactly uh, what you talk about. 240, yeah. 257 in 18 and 17, respectively. And then he wins a batting title. <laughs> then he wins a freaking batting title, hitting 335 because the BABIP spikes 110 points to 399. He actually walked less, which is mm-hmm. hard to do when you walk 5%, but he walked 3%. But well, he struck out the ball all the time. Yeah, right? struck. You know, he dropped that strikeout rate four ticks down to twenty one, which is still, you know, twenty one to three on the strikeout to walk is bad. But hey, when you're hitting the ball that well, I'll take it, man. Eighteen and seventeen on the counting categories with homers and steals, and that's because he was stunted. Five hundred eighteen plate appearances. Imagine if he had played the full season for Tim Anderson. So, what are you expecting for a follow up now on the season? Of course, we expect the average to peel back, but to what? And what can the counting categories look like? Well, I, this is interesting because I took him in uh, my draft champions league 
that I just finished like I think two weeks ago. One of those uh, fifth year round draft and holds that take forever. Uh, and after, I mean, I really should have dug in more before I took him because I regret it a little bit. You okay. know how many stolen base attempts he had in the second half? Six? Three. Oh, no. How many games? Did he miss his time in the second 50, half? Yeah, he missed the, the time in the second half, but 53 games. Oh, Three wow. stolen base attempts. Isn't this a trend with him where he steals early, Tim Anderson, and then and then slows down? I, I well, feel let like, me look at his career. I'll tell you. Yeah, I feel like he, he spikes some early stolen bases even in 18, yeah, and that's he, the second half. 24 for 30 in, this, in his career. In the second half, 44 for or 44 for uh, 54 in the first half. So he does tend to slow down, not to this extent. No, but, but still. Uh, I mean, he definitely slows down. I mean, let's. I'm just going to look at 2018 and see the difference. Yeah, he only 2018. He stole 21 bases in the first half on 26 attempts, uh, and only stole five bases on eight attempts in the second half. There so this go. may just be a thing for him. Maybe he gets tired. Yeah, you know, he steals early know. and then says, I've got my stolen bases for the year. Now let me just focus on hitting. Or, or maybe not even that. Like you said, maybe just gets tired and doesn't want to risk it on the bases. I don't know. But it is pretty pronounced at this point. And, yes, this past year had a, a pretty big games disparity for Tim Anderson. But if you look at the career, first half 1095 plate appearances, second half 1066. So that volume doesn't explain this. He slows down in the second halves of mm-hmm. seasons. And that's kind of interesting to me. So at his ADP, I'm gathering that you're out with Simeon and Correa being right there. I think I'm out, especially yeah, with, with Simeon and Correa kind of being on either side uh, of him. I just think I would rather not play around with it, especially with the minuscule walk rate and the, the 399 Babbitt last year. Uh, for a, yeah, for a guy who's, you know, I mean, with that 399 Babbitt, it raised his career back to, to 345. So I, I think he's probably like a 330 Babbitt guy, uh, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just worry if, you know, if, if the team as a whole decides to stop running or, uh, or they put the brakes on him for some reason, like we don't, we just don't know why he stops running in the second half. If this is a team decision or if this is a, a personal decision trying to save himself health wise, it may just be that he was nicked up and he didn't want to get more nicked up. Sure. Uh, At least last year, but it is mm -hmm. a career pattern for Tim Anderson. So it is interesting. I mean, if he gets you the bottom line, that's fine, Mm -hmm. especially in Roto, but it is weird. His trajectory to there, and it makes it difficult to project any sort of spike beyond uh and you know the 26 from 2018 stands out as a career high after 10 15 and then 17 last year of course uh different playing time quantities there as well so to this is like my favorite round in terms of just a ton of talent going around i mean you've got james paxton max muncie simeon uh mcneil uh barrios matt chapman uh oh wow uh roldis chapman joey gallo gary sanchez Luis Robert, like Nelson Cruz, like this is like a loaded area. Um, and so I'm likely not going to have a shortstop from this area because I'm going to be grabbing guys I love from other positions. Yeah, I, I tend 
just with you rattling off those names, I think I tend to agree with you there. All right, let's jump into our, our next group. It's a bigger group, so we're going to pick a couple each and then maybe give a flyby mention of another. Quality middle infield options, you really would rather be slotting them in your MI or utility if you use multiple utilities, something like that. If they're your starting shortstop, again, you better be stacked elsewhere to make up for it or else you're behind. Uh, it's Ahmed Rosario at uh, 121. And again, remember, that comes from Correa at 93. So we did take a big jump down. Ahmed Rosario at 121. Elvis Andrus at 130. Jorge Polanco at 152. Corey Seager at 155. Gene Segura at 173. Kevin Newman at 185. Paul DeYoung at 190. And Didi Gregorius at 196. So we run about an 80-pick span here. But... I think that if a couple of these guys could go up a little bit and make it a little bit of a tighter group, Didi is already soaring. And uh, Paul DeYoung has his believers, including one on this podcast, that could also start Never heard see of him. him start to trickle upward <laughs> as well, though he is coming off of a uh, a difficult season offensively after a fast start. But let's talk about this group. Let's, let's pick your two favorites first from Rosario, Andres, Polanco, Seager, Segura, Newman, DeYoung, and Gregorius. Who are your top two guys that you're most likely targeting based on their price? Mm, I'm going to start with Kevin Newman, uh, even okay. though his price has gone up considerably from uh, where I got him at AFL. Uh, I got him at 243, and he, <laughs> he's 60 wow. picks higher uh, than that. Uh, and I can understand why. And I, maybe we have something to do with it because I know you've talked him up as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he could lead off for. Uh, the Pirates, uh, he's got, you know, enough pop uh, with some speed. He's one of those guys that doesn't uh, necessarily have a standout tool uh, except for a, a pretty decent hit tool. I, I think he's a pretty good lock for, like, 280 double-digit home runs and, you know, upper teens, low 20 stolen bases uh, yeah. and a and a you know, boatload of runs if he's batting leadoff. So uh, price is going up, but not to the point where it's scaring me off of him. I, I, I like that first call out there of Kevin Newman. I do agree with you and have been calling him out as somebody of intrigue. You know, he was pretty quiet last year and what he did, of course, being on the Pirates. Josh Bell was the only one who really stood out outside of Sterling Marte, who was a known entity. 308, 353, 446 slash line for the rookie with 12 homers, 16 steals. 61 runs and 64 ribs. You know, just a solid quality middle infield type season for Kevin Newman. We'll see if they go with Reynolds or Newman at the top, mm-hmm. or maybe put them one, two. That's the way to do it. Followed by Marte Bell mm-hmm. and then Polanco at five. We'll see what they do there. But I think that would be kind of interesting because Reynolds is a switch. So it's not like you're putting two righties there. You go switch, righty, Marte, another righty, and then Bell the switch. Uh, and you can even mix it so it's switch righty, switch righty, however you want to do that. We'll see, though. Currently, Roster Resource has Reynolds, Marte, Polanco, Bell, Moran, Newman. And that would definitely ding Newman a little bit. But either way, I think even at this elevated price, I can I can see myself buying some shares of Kevin Newman. Um, my first pick here is... Hmm, I gotta be honest. I would have no qualms buying Jorge Polanco at at a buck fifty. I don't. I don't find that to be too expensive. I love what he was able to do last year. I want 
slices of this of this defense without, or excuse me, of this offense in uh, Minnesota without a doubt. I think that uh, obviously they've enhanced it. Yes, they lost Scope and Crone, but that's going to be re- replaced with Arise, Luis Arise, and uh, Josh Donaldson. So I think it's actually a better duo, even if you're not fully bought in on Luis Arise, and I am. Thanks to James Anderson and one of my commenters who sold me big time on on Luis Arise. So I think this offense is going to be just as good as it was last year in terms of overall quality. You know, they might not match the same home run output, but I want a Jorge Polanco batting up near the top there. And I don't think that this is a massive premium on what was a great season for him. Now, he stopped running basically after uh, 13 in 2017. So he still sometimes gets wrongfully tabbed as a power speed guy. I don't really think mm-hmm. he is that, but I think he is a average runs power guy, and I'll take that. And he even had 79 ribbies last year, but he hits 295 last year, 107 runs, 22 homers, 79 ribs, four steals in seven attempts. So it's chip-in steals, but I like what he does. Um, and if he can get smarter on the bases, he could improve. He's got some speed. He just doesn't use it well. He makes bad decisions. He's uh, 29 for 37, or excuse me, for 47 in his career, which is bad. Um, that's a 62%. Is it, is it bad? It's, it's very, very bad. So um, I understand if they yellow light or even full on red light him, that's all right. I'm not buying Polanco yeah. for that. I think a buck 50 pick for what uh, what I'm getting here is perfectly fine. How many stolen bases do you think he had in the second half? Or one. attempts? One. Or uh, attempts, three. He was one for three. Or Yeah, I'm going to say one for three. He was zero for zero. Sweet. Sweet. He didn't even <laughs> last, try. Last stolen base attempt and last stolen base was on July 6th. Or, Full yeah, red July light. <laughs> and you, frankly, we understand it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not that it's not that hard to comprehend, but that's all right. And, you know, at 26, the power could even turn up a little bit, too. I'm not I'm, I'm buying what I got last year pretty much out of Polanco, but I wouldn't even rule out adding some of the power to further negate what I need out of him speed wise, because yeah. if he becomes more of a 28 to 30 homer guy hitting 280 with a bunch of runs. I'm here for that. Uh, I I mean, Polanco's a guy I, I got a lot of shares of last year because of where he was going. He was in that tier of guys where I was like, I'm just going to wait on shortstop. And, you know, uh, Paul DeYoung and, and Polanco and, and Simeon uh, ended up on a lot of my teams. Uh, and I'm, while I'm thankful for what he did for my teams, I'm a little less bullish on him than you. Uh, I mean, he's, his exit velocity, were, it was in the 20th percentile last year. Same with hard hit percentage. Um, the sprint speed is nice and red, but like I said, he stopped running. And that may have been a team decision because he was not very good at it. Uh, I just worry that, I mean, the the lineup's nice around him, and I think he's going to score a lot of runs. So, I mean, he walks enough. He doesn't strike out, which is great. Uh, I think roster resource has him batting second in that lineup. Yes. Uh, I just don't know if this is a guy that's going to do much more damage in terms of power. Uh I think he's kind of a an unsexy option. I think he I think what he did last year is probably what he'll do this year and that's fine. Um I just don't see a lot of upside. It, it's more of a safety play which which is fine, especially if he's your your middle infielder. 
um, or you're pairing him in this tier with a high upside guy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's say you've waited to this point uh, and you go and you pick you you take Polanco and you pair him with the next guy on my list, which is going to be Ahmed Rosario. Okay. Let's, let's hear what you think about it. Rosario, he's the most expensive of this group mm-hmm. at uh, pick 120 right now. He leads the charge there. Interesting season. Saw him improve mm-hmm. his defense as the season went along and really solidify himself as their shortstop when there was some chatter of maybe going into the outfield. But now he is the shortstop, ready to go. Uh, you know, kind of does a bit of everything. Had a promising second half. He, too, though, like Polanco, isn't great on the bases. He was mm-hmm. 19 for 29, 24 for 35 the year before. So I'm wondering, you know, what can we really expect for stolen bases when he's a 68% guy? Yeah, that's that is the concerning point. Uh, is at some point do the Mets uh, put a red light on him or at least a yellow light and go, yeah, listen, you may be fast, but you need to work on some form a little bit. Yeah, don't run us out of innings. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think my opinion on him could change depending on who they end up bringing in as the manager. Uh, so that being said, I think there's a ton of upside here. Like you said, the defense, especially for me, uh, improving as the season went on is a big deal. Uh, he's a guy that is very, very fast. I want to say like top 90th percentile in sprint speed, uh, or something along those lines. What's his home to first though? Oh, sorry, 94th percentile. Jeff just did a great article on sprint speed, right. not necessarily being the best uh, indicator. And home to first speeds are are very strong as far as uh, steel. So what where does uh where does Rosario rank when it comes to home to first? Or how, how what? Actually, I don't know if they do the uh, the shading, the the red and blue shading as they far as they don't. But they uh they've got a leaderboard. So let me I'll I'll find him real quick. Okay. Uh, he was seventieth. Okay, overall, so, so that's I gotta yeah, I mean, that. top top third of the league. Yeah, that so, plays. Uh, or you know, top quarter of the league. So uh, that I mean, I you know, obviously he needs to get better in his efficiency, and so this is definitely a risky proposition. But that's why you pair him with a guy like Polanco, who has a pretty safe floor, but maybe just not the ceiling. Wait, where where did you see that that? Because um, I got him. I got him 56th and home to first. Maybe I sorted by the wrong thing. But, I mean, obviously that that's higher, so that's better mm-hmm. for Rosario. Oh, sorry, I had 90 feet run splits up. Okay, okay. So, hey, um, the bottom line is if if he can get smarter on the bases, Ahmed mm-hmm. Rosario could feasibly be a 30 SB guy. Yeah. And he started to tap into his bat last year to add some punch. He had 15 homers after nine the year before, and he only added uh, 62 plate appearances. So it's not like that you know, volume doesn't explain the, the power spike. He, he got better. So that's an interesting one. I, I like mentioning him, and I am intrigued by him. I find myself at, the, at a crossroads sometimes when he's there because I see all those guys after him. Mm-hmm. But I don't mind staking a claim to him, particularly if we get – an idea of where exactly he's going to bat though. When the Nimmo rumors were heating up, I was like, maybe Rosario could move to the top, but as it stands right now, he might be at the bottom of the lineup. How much would that change your outlook on Rosario? If he bats eighth. Oh yeah, that would be 
bummer. <laughs> uh, especially because you don't think they're gonna let them let him run too much in front of uh, in front of a starting pitcher necessarily. I mean, his, it could be his good. OBP would be better. Yeah, I was about to say like you might get walks. walked, get white walked. Uh, and I guess I mean they've got some decent hitters in those pitchers. You know, I mean Syndergaard can thump. Doesn't the Degrom thump. hit? Yeah, Degrom yeah. hits pretty well. That's too. Yeah, so uh, I mean, they, yeah, it would it would definitely be a bummer. Um, but so I mean, he hit three eleven. He hit three eleven, or is it three eleven or three nineteen? Three nineteen in the second half last year. So yeah, great I think this is a real shot that he could be batting up higher in, in the order. Uh, and again, it's 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 really going to largely depend on on who they bring in as manager. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get some more. Indications on that, along with Boston and Houston, I imagine soon because pitchers and catchers report in like three weeks. So, yeah, they got to figure some things out. Okay, my next guy. Um, I mean, look, the price just keeps tumbling on Corey Seager. I, you know, I understand his shortcomings, and I'm I'm there to say that he was overrated for multiple years. But at pick 155, I don't know that he is. In fact, I took him at 133 in my draft and hold. The Ooh, one that we gross. started back in um, Arizona, not gross at all. I mean, um, not not even close to gross. You're, you're an insane human being that you would prop up somebody like Paul DeYoung and eschew Corey Seager when there's like two rounds difference and Corey Seager's infinitely better. It's, it's insane how much better he is than Paul DeYoung. There's, I mean, there's only one thing that Paul DeYoung is better at, and that's staying on the field. And even that, we'll see how long that that holds. I mean, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, well, I guess stolen bases too. Uh, so uh, okay, stop. He went he went nine for fourteen last year okay. after being two for three in and his career. How many years together do we need to add of Corey Seager's before we get to nine stolen bases? It Four? doesn't. It five doesn't five. matter. We, we need to add the last five years I, I, so we can get I, to 10 stolen bases I for don't, Corey Seager. I don't care. If you're going to pretend that that's a, a tangible edge after a random spike, you're insane. It's – it's. I think it's something. What is it? What are you projecting him for? Six, six versus yeah, sure. two or six, three? Six, six versus one. Cool. You take those – Five steals, man, and you ride them all the way. I'll take the 25 points of batting average and be much better. I'll be much better off. But, but, well, I mean, will you if he, I mean, how many games here? Here's the million dollar question for Corey Seager How many games are you projecting? I don't know. Or how many am I projecting? Yeah. I probably start at a buck 40 and go from there. Okay. You know, I mean, I'll, 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 I mean, he's only, he hasn't played a buck 40 since 2017. And DeYoung's done it once last year yes which is the most recent year but not the only one and you know that I'm, 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 you're acting like the most recent I'm, thing is just going to play that forward listen, now, i, I 17... gave matt modica some crap uh j- you know just in jest because he took uh he took Corey seager i can't remember where exactly in 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 an online championship uh recently and i was like this is a great team until you get to Corey seager uh that being said, like where he's going, it's it's nothing but upside. Like if your what thirteenth or fourteenth round pick doesn't pan out, that's not the reason you didn't win your league. Well, and he still has a steady floor too. Mm-hmm. Like even last year's season was. Well, kind no, of... you can't say that. Yes, like, I can because the floor is two thousand eighteen. 
that, that, but that's the floor for anybody, dude. The floor for anybody is that they don't play. It's much more likely with is a guy no? like Corey Seager no, than it not. is like a guy like. Nope. nope, you're greatly overrating that. 687, 613, 115, 541. Those are his plate appearances the last four years. The idea that Corey Seager breaks down every single year and doesn't play is pure fiction. He has one lost year. It was 2018. It, it's fiction, dude. He is not this grave risk to fall off and not play. It's it's not true. And and the price discount has put him in such a position that you'd be insane not to be interested in buying Corey Seager at a buck fifty-five. I don't have a problem with him going at a buck fifty-five, but I I, I think you are underestimating the How? Floor. I just gave you but that's the floor for everybody. Anybody can sustain a season ending injury. When a guy has Three, three of his last four seasons over 540 plate appearances, two of which are over 600. Why does he have this grave risk that that nobody else has? I'm where, not saying that nobody else from? has it, but okay, you don't like if you're if you're going to project games. How many games are you projecting for Paul DeYoung next year? You're projecting more than you are for Corey Seager, right? Like five, like, five or six more. Oh, I, I don't know. I I feel like. We've got we got two of, uh, yeah. Maybe I'm just too down on him. I you are, and I, I think it's you mentioned the. Dodgers. I think there's just been like, so many injuries with him, and yeah, maybe he's only got the one real missed season. But it's just it seems like there's always something with it Corey. It seems Seager. like it though, but I just showed you that that's not true. He has one missed season, yeah. and then the other two, like. 16 and 17 are full seasons. And then last year's 541 plate appearances of, okay. you know, capable work. All right. So what do you think the upside is? Because, like, the upside even, is still. Even if we say, like, okay, he's going to play 100. So his upside is just a little bit better than Jorge Polanco. Like, it's. Wait. I don't what? think he's, he's never had 30 home runs. So I'm not giving him. Your upside doesn't have to be something you've already done. That's that's not upside. Right? I mean, typically you want it to be something, in, you know, a guy who's been in the league for five years to be something that... It's been in the league for four years. 2015 was a sample that... That's okay, not yeah, you're right, you're right. So, yeah, four years. So, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, okay. So we're looking at the upside is... Machado? Well, I guess better Machado. His batting average than Machado. If it's 300, that's much better. So, and Machado's going as the 11th. So that would Xander put, Bogart's light? Yeah, that's fantastic at 155. I yeah, think that. I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad that. price. I just think there's a little bit more risk than you do, obviously. But I'm not sure where that comes from. Like, I understand that the, the injuries. I, I, I do because everyone has them or, or because he's had them and, and we've, we've seen them. I mean, this was a concern when he, I mean, wow, he's only 25. <laughs> he's going to be 26 six years. Yeah, he's going to be 26. So, uh, I mean, this was an issue, you know, or at least discussed all throughout his coming up the minor leagues was they didn't think his body would hold up at shortstop. And we've seen, uh, they thought he'd be too big, not because of injuries. They thought he'd move over to third because they thought that, he'd fill out. He's I, had I don't... Tommy John, uh, back issues, hip issues, knee issues. Mm -hmm. I just, 
I'm staying away. And like, I mean, obviously there's a point in which the price becomes uh, too, too ridiculous. The hate's gone too far. He's at and that I'm point. sure, and I'm sure I've led part of that charge with mm-hmm. how much I've, you know, badgered him. So uh, we're getting, we're definitely getting to that point. You think we've gotten to that point? I can, uh, I can say, I, I don't think that's a bad take, uh, but I don't think we're, white there yet but like we start looking into the next tier and like there's not really any guys i want to take over like so maybe we are maybe we're at that point right now with seager uh that we should start like going okay i think he i think the hate has gone maybe a bit too far who in this tier has higher upside than Corey seager if you can give them all 650 point appearances the answer is nobody Wait, who has a higher ceiling? Yeah. Rosario's a higher ceiling. Elvis Andrews has no. a higher ceiling. No, they don't. No, they don't, dude. That's just that's gravely overrating steals at that, that point. I I mean Andrews has had I'm I'm, I'm gonna pull up Andrews' page real quick, but hasn't Andrews had like had a one, twenty he had a twenty twenty season, he had one spike power season back in twenty seventeen. Two ninety seven, twenty, twenty five, one hundred eighty eight. Excellent season. Okay, I mean, Excellent. yeah, he's probably not going to get back to close to twenty home runs again. So that's the that's the thing at that age thirty one. So he could maybe match if you if you add up everything of what Andrews could do in in his upside remaining, which I think is closer to like fifteen thirty to. I mean, he's if we're talking real upside, he could spike back up in the two nineties. Basically, you're trading off the um, the steals for mm-hmm. higher average and higher power, and the bottom line dollar is probably the same. And again, it depends if you need Andrews' steals, but I don't think that he has higher upside at 31 than Corey Seager does at 26. Because I'm not even sure that 3100, 100, 300 is really just the 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 cap on Seager. You mentioned Bogarts. Bogarts is what 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 the heights that he's reached is probably. Because Seager, if he really goes off, is going to be in the middle of that lineup, and you're probably looking at 110 at least on each number, or or spiking one of them higher than the other, depending on where he bats. Do we and, believe that Seager still has the 300 in him, though? 300 oh, batting sure. I, I believe that more than anything else, that the, that the batting oh, really? average. Yeah, I think the batting average Even upside, with declining contact rates. Yes. Is it really declining? I mean, he had 18% strikeout rate last year, and his career is 19. I mean, his contact rate went from 80% down to 76% last year, swinging outside the zone more. Uh, let's look at his, I'm going to look at his stat cast stuff. Exit velocity is 44th percentile, hard hit percentage, 45th percentile. Uh, expected batting average, 48th percentile. For a 261 expected batting average, yeah, I, mean, I don't, I don't see him striking out more. Um, I'm not particularly concerned that that he doesn't carry massive. I think Seager still carries massive batting average upside. In in that year that you just described, he still hit 272, and so he's not that far from being at 300. And then if we are sprinkling fairy health dust on him and and talking about upside, the dream, mm-hmm. it's definitely well over 300. Okay. I, All right. 
Yeah, he's not going to end up on a lot of my teams unless he's in. He really, really drops. I mean, what's his what's his max uh, pick so far? One eighty. Yeah, see, one eighty is way too far. That was way too low. Like that's in, in the. Uh, he shouldn't drop to one eighty. In the little three pack, because I still have that pulled up, because I wanted to look at the Houston drop. Seager's down to one sixty seven with a one forty seven one eighty nine split. He's going down. At least again, I don't want to overrate a three a three draft sample. And I think if he becomes part of a package for Lindor or something like that, uh, that then he plummets. I, I don't think that happens and... though, because that doesn't make any sense. If they're not going to pay Lindor, why why get Seager? Maybe the Dodgers agree to pay a portion of Seager's remaining salary. Well, but I think you have to get something. I think you have to get long term. You have to restart the cycle on some. I, I agree, but it sounds like the Dodgers do not want to part with Lux. I think that they're not getting Lindor then. But that's that's another story. We'll we'll address that if anything happens there. I don't want to. We've spent a lot of time here. So that was my second pick. I picked Polanco Seager. You picked Rosario Newman. Mm-hmm. Let's give a flyby mention for somebody and just say what you think about them and and. They're upside. We pretty much discuss, discussed everyone, so I guess it would uh, boil down to allowing you to speak about Paul DeYoung. <laughs> I mean, what can you say about Paul DeYoung that we haven't already said about uh, Corey Seager? Um, he's gone like 35 picks later. You know what uh, I really like about him? And it's not always 100% fantasy-related, but it certainly you know, keeps everything um, tight as far as playing time goes, is that He's greatly improved himself defensively for Paul mm-hmm. DeYoung, and he, I like he that. He was a fantastic defensive player last year. He uh, truly was. And, I mean, obviously what's keeping him, you know, keeping his ADP down uh, towards, like, 185, where he's going right now, was just the complete falling apart uh, in terms of average <laughs> uh, in the Here's second the half. Thing. He had 202 in the second half. Uh, so, yeah, that's... It, it's worse than you think, though. It is. I know. 10-10 OPS in April, 701 with a 206 average from May 1st on, mm-hmm. which now you're looking at, add that into last year, uh, or 18, I guess I guess we're going to say last year is now 19. The calendar's flipped. I said that's when I will stop saying um, this year for 2019. Yeah, so we look at, I know, so we look at last year and 18, and he's a 102 WRC plus for... 1100 plate appearances mm-hmm. so i guess what are we looking at now he's cheaper than these other guys mm-hmm. he's actually the second cheapest of the bunch and may end up being the cheapest because the flyby mention i'm going to give is is gregorius who is already rising but is still at a pick level that i'm comfortable paying at 196 i think i'm gonna pay upwards of 160 for gregorius i, I like him for a nice bounce back but what do you re- reasonably expect out of uh DeYoung this year like what's what's your line for him coming in uh I think he can hit 28 29 home runs steal six seven bases hit to 45 250 okay you know it's really uh I think what he offered oh yeah 97 runs last year with just a 318 OBP well that's because they they kept batting him in the two hole correct but they Um, they might not stop it's the same manager you know yeah uh, well, let's see where he batted. Well, towards the second half, end of the year, he was batting fifth or seventh. Well, we got so, we got him fourth now, roster resource. Because well, Ozuna's gone. 
Goldie DeYoung. Now they may re-sign him because mm-hmm. he's still out there, or take oh. out the the counterpart of uh, Castellanos or Puig. One of those three outfielders could become on their team. So what do you like? What do you like for him as at five? If, uh, as far as a run scored count, do you bump it down to like eighty for DeYoung if he's batting yeah. fifth? Yeah, mm-hmm. eighty-five. Okay, I can it, still get behind that. So I don't mind eighty-five, eighty-five. Despite like his that. his very obvious flaws. Uh, 240 and 30 with decent counting categories and a little chip in stolen base count if, if we like that. And even if we don't, I, I I could give him one steal and it really wouldn't change my outlook. I'm, I'm buying some punch here. I'm still going to take my guy DD, but I, I, I don't mind Paul DeYoung. So I, I don't mind your love, your love affair with him continuing. Uh, but yeah, DD, last year was a lost year. Staying in a quality park, quality lineup. I think he's going to bounce back and be perfectly solid. It's not going to knock your socks off. It doesn't have to. I think it's going to go right back to what he was doing in 16 through 18, which was an average of 277 with 24 homers, 81 ribbies, 77 runs, and seven steals. So basically the only place in that projection that he doesn't really beat Paul DeYoung is the power output um, and and maybe the runs. But – that's only 579 plate appearances. So if you're giving them an equal number of plate appearances, then I think the runs scored favor Gregorius. Or, or, or excuse me, they match. They match. I would not say that they favor him. I would say that they, be, they become pretty equal. But I'm going to take Gregorius first, but I don't mind Paul DeYoung. I like both of them in that late 100s mm-hmm. tier of between 160 and 190. I'll pay for them all day there. They, they kind of mark the last uh, – or- Yes. What happens right before a big drop off? Because yes, the I next couple, agree. the next couple tiers are like, there's definitely some upside to be had, but there's no safety. And these guys are going to be accumulators. They're not going to, uh, they're not going to like win your league, but they're not going to hurt you. Correct. So now we're going to go into two different groups here, and we're we're veering away from ADP order. Now I'm going to list them in the order of their grouping. But, for example, this first group's on the rise, and the next one's boring vets. They intermingle as far as their ADP. But we're just not going in a straight order because we're grouping them instead. So these guys are on the rise here. Uh, John Birdie is not some young buck, but he's on the fantasy rise because he got some attention last year, and and he's going to have some attention this year. He's triple eligible for Miami. An ADP of 238. Then we have Willie Adamas with the Tampa Bay Rays at 275. Nico Goodrum at 287, also triple eligible at second short and outfield. We have um, Carter, or excuse me, Luis Urias at 315. Carter Keboom at 361. I feel like maybe I should put David Fletcher in there because I didn't put him in the other group, and I don't want to just ignore him. So let me squeeze him in between uh, Goodrum and Urias here. At 303, David Fletcher. Put him in there in case you want to pick him. It's up to you. Uh, and then Nico Nico Horner at 374. Because, yeah, if you're going to take David Fletcher, you might as well just take Nico Horner, even without a job, 100 picks later. Mm-hmm. Um, at 374, I guess it's only 70 picks later, but point still stands. Uh, Jorge Mateo, who is at an ADP of 433. J.P. Crawford. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to read the ADP of these other guys. First off, it's hard to find, and they're going super late. Royce Lewis and then Nicky Lopez. So it's a mix of guys that don't even have jobs yet, but it's a long season. And then some guys who are in here because they're young, but not necessarily 
carrying burgeoning talent like Fletcher, and then some guys who have some legitimate upside. So pick one you love and one you're keeping a, a close eye on. Who, who do you love out of this group? I mean, the guy I love is the guy we've talked about a whole bunch already this offseason, uh, and that and that's Jorge Mateo. Oh, Mateo, that's right. That's right. You love your Oakland guys because you love Barreto as mm-hmm. well. So you want whoever's getting getting that potential role there. So And I, and I hope it's Mateo, even though I've loved Barreto for a long time. Uh, Mateo is the guy who's got the extreme upside where he we're talking. The game, man. Yeah, I mean, what he did last year in AAA was obscene. Uh, now, obviously, he was playing in Las Vegas, which is probably the best hitters park in all of baseball like not well, and, just triple a like all and of then baseball. a bunch of other hitters parks mm-hmm. in, his, in the pcl there too sure. so he's bouncing from from park to park that that favors him but jorge mateo you're getting him for the speed if he can mm-hmm. hit capably like he could come up and be mondesi-esque no well i mean Here's the thing, like we get this question all the time, like either on Twitter or in chats or whatever, like who's the one player that's not being drafted that could be a first rounder. Now, let's be honest. Usually that's a really bad, I don't want to say stupid, but it is a stupid question Um, because there's a reason why players who aren't being drafted like aren't like a first rounder. But if there was one, (laughs) it's Jorge Mateo. Like be- he, because he could go, he could he, go. He could, uh, he could be Trey Turner. Yeah, like I think I mean, more Mondesi because of the plate skills and just sure. that overwhelming speed. Mm-hmm. Um, but your point still stands because Mondesi without the shoulder, yeah, would probably be in the first round this year for sure. So I mean, he's a guy that could easily, you know, go fifteen forty. Like I mean, and you're getting him outside of pick four hundred. Like he yep. should, if you're playing in a league that's like not draft and hold, uh, just your traditional like 15 team league with 30 roster spots, uh, he should be like your 28th round pick in every every time, just on the chance that he. And I don't care if you've already rostered three shortstops, because if he doesn't, if he's not starting, you'll know by the end of the second week, and you can drop him and move wow. on. Yep. But the upside alone warrants, and you know, obviously discussions like this are going to bump him up, uh, is, uh, bump up the ADP uh, quite a bit. Um, but I mean, I was willing. I took him in AFL at three ninety three. Oh, I guess I guess that was you know when we started drafting again too. So sure, uh, you know, he's currently going four thirty two. Uh, I I think I would probably be willing to jump him up five or six rounds. Okay. Like, I, I mean, that's I, that you don't, you know, that's not bad. Like that's, yeah, that's We're, totally workable there. That's like, uh, you know, this guy is uh, Jorge Mateo. And right now, obviously he's a little bit hidden because he's not projected on roster resource. Barreto could have the job. It's a little bit uh, off the radar, but you can't just lock into what, you know, we're saying at roster resource or anywhere else and just say, this is what it is all year. It's a six-month season. you got to take some of these gambles that mm-hmm. you know you might not be super comfortable with. But like you said, even if it says, okay, he doesn't not start in the league, not starting in the league, doesn't really have a path, he's your first cut. Fine. And he has no options. So, like, there is no – like, right now, roster resource, I think, has him starting here in the minors. 
he's not starting the year in the minors. He just may not be on Oakland's team. He could but be he elsewhere, will, yeah. He will be claimed very, oh, very quickly. Sure. And they likely would, by the Orioles. Him. Yeah, like by the Orioles, who would, I believe have the first uh, – uh, the first priority. I, wouldn't, my, um, wouldn't my beloved Tigers have that priority? Oh, maybe. Yeah, they have an old pick. So. That's right. So the Tigers, who have the number one priority. Uh, Cut him, please. <laughs> like, yeah. So I, I like there's no way he's not on a major league roster to start the season. And he, he does. He's got Billy Hamilton-esque speed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and a better bat than Hamilton, because I don't think mm-hmm. Hamilton did anything yes. like a, what Mateo's yes, done. A better in so, so okay, that's a, that's the one you love. Who's your one to keep an eye on in this group that you're saying, hey, I'm I'm putting a little star next to this guy for whatever reason. I'm pretty sure you're gonna talk about John Birdie, so I'm gonna skip him. Okay. Uh, and we're gonna move over to Nicky Lopez. Okay, uh, so he had some flair last year. I'll set mm-hmm. him up real quick and let you go. He had some real uh, buzz coming up. He was in he was in Fabapalooza. And uh, when you look back on some of the prices that were paid for him, it ends up being kind of laughable because he really flopped in his first opportunity. But this is what's made him so cheap because we know it's a refrain I've spit many a time. Once you fail the fantasy community as a prospect, they shun you, yeah, dude. Or we, I guess. I'll put I'll put all of us in there. But it, you're shunned. He's 478. Nicky Lopez is second in short eligibility. Playing time should be there. No, it's yeah, it's him and uh, Mondesi at the Keystone. He's projected to be the opening day second baseman. Okay, so talk to us more about what he can do. What's his offensive profile look like for fantasy? Like, I don't think he's super sexy or anything by any stretch of the imagination, but this is a team that is obviously still in kind of the throes of rebuilding. He's 24 years old. He's uh, going to be 25 before the start of the season. Uh, they need to give these young guys a shot. He's projected to be opening day start, second starting baseman. I just think he could be an accumulator and be a guy that double-digit home runs, double-digit stolen bases, uh, you know, I mean, Decent not... average upside? Yeah, I, th- I don't think he's a guy that's going to hit 300 by any stretch of the imagination, but no reason to think he can't hit, like, 270, 280. Yeah, I was thinking 270, 275. I can take that. Yeah, and especially considering where he's going uh, in drafts right now where we're talking... What, 477. Yikes. So, yeah, so and he's, he's second base and shortstop eligible, uh, which is always useful. So I, I just think he's a guy that should be drafted in just about every league, especially. Uh, I love guys like this because because he's eligible at both those positions. He's a backup mm-hmm. for two of your guys, or well, exactly. really three of your guys with the MI spot. So uh, like these are the guys I love to put on my reserve list. Uh, because he can cover multiple spots for you. So, Nicky Lopez is a completely unsexy option to throw on your reserve list. Yep, and I, I, I can totally get behind all of that there. That makes a lot of sense with regards to taking Nicky Lopez uh, now that he's the the forgotten afterthought. Now, as far as uh, the one I love and, and, and the one I'm keeping an eye on, I might move Birdie down to my keep an eye on just because of the way the playing time is, is mm-hmm. shaken out. So let me go with let me go with Willie Adamas. I think for my for my love yeah. pick here. This, this is tough, man. This is an interesting group, and I, I like a lot of these. Uh, I like a lot of these guys here. Let me make sure that that's well. I'm gonna go with man. That's it, really tough. There's a yeah, lot I of guess guys in this tier that I, I like. You know, I like, like Luis Urias, uh, Horner. Like he gets up. 
Lewis is going to get an opportunity. So, although I don't know where actually, so maybe he is parked in AAA, not necessarily for anything because he finished strong. Roy Somebody's going to get pick. hurt. If someone gets hurt, I think he can fit in in multiple spots. But I don't, I don't want to name everybody. That's not the point. So I'll pick Adamus as my guy. He's been volatile without a doubt. Um, he had two sub 600 OPS months last year, but three over 800. So, you know, he was kind of all over the map there. And I know months are uh, arbitrary endpoints for sure. But, you know, we use them and and they are reasonable samples, at least, to to kind of look at. And I think when you're running that far from sub 600 to over 800, it is showing level of volatility, even if you acknowledge that they're that they're arbitrary there. But he finished strong with uh, seven homers and 20 ribbies in the final two months of the season. And eyeballing it, uh, the August and September is probably about a 280-something average for Adamas. He was a big-time prospect coming up. He was the key piece in the David Price deal with the Tigers. And uh, he was super young at the time. And it was always like, well, he's the one that the Tigers are going to regret. Uh, you know, Not even necessarily regret, but that's the piece that, that Tampa Bay is making this deal for. And I don't think there's any reason why he shouldn't be the absolute everyday starter at shortstop. Uh, quality lineup. I think he should be batting middle bottom. So like a six, seven type of role for Adamas. And I think he could be pretty darn solid. It's not going to necessarily knock your socks off, but I like you used accumulator as the term for Lopez. I think we'll see something similar here for Adamas, maybe like 25, 70, 60 with a two seventy five, and then a chip in steals count ranging between six, and 10, you know, nothing crazy, just a little something, something there for Adamus. So he's the one I love and I like his price. And then uh, the one to keep an eye on is indeed John Birdie. It would, it would have maybe been flipped had John mm-hmm. Birdie had a little bit better opportunity at playing time, but the moves that the Marlins have done, and I can't really shade them. I like their off season. It's been really nice. They've added some quality major league talent. They don't want to be a complete laughing stock. They're still going to be bad, but I don't think they're going to be 57 win bad this year. However, that has, cut the uh, value of guys like Garrett Cooper, John Birdie, Harold Ramirez, all three of whom I like, but now they have some depth. Uh, Birdie can play everywhere, so he should find some playing time. He's mm-hmm. second short and outfield eligible coming into the year. Uh, or excuse me, third short and outfield. If he had that second base, that'd be nice because that position sucks. He may <laughs> get it, but uh, he'd have to earn it. And, you know, the speed is what we're talking about here. He won some of you, some of y'all your leagues last year without a doubt. And uh, that's that's what really drives him because he's a little bit of a, a older guy than you might recognize. He's 30. So he finally got an opportunity. He made the most of it. His speed is there. I think giving him only 10 stolen bases in a 236 plate appearance sample is too light by steamer. I also think that the 236 itself is light. I would put him more for at least 350 without projecting injuries. And I think that's going to be good for 15 stolen bases. And then if something opens up, or underperformance strikes at one of the positions that he can play, then I think the potential for more is there, and he has a real shot at 30-plus stolen bases. But right now, you can't draft uh, John Birdie expecting that. You just draft him as a late-rounder, speed guy, and kind of play it by ear there in Miami. Yeah, the hard part is he's not going as necessarily a late-rounder. 238 is... uh, You're passing up on some talent. It's, It's... it is high right now, but that was before the uh, the latest signing that mm-hmm. further pushed him down. I think he's going to continue to drop the Dickerson signing there. I think he's going to continue to drop as the playing time is closed off. 
He's down to 288 in the last uh, in the last three drafts. So that's already a 50 pick drop. I think he'll be outside the top 300 come March. John okay. Birdie will. That's my yeah. that's that's what I'm assuming. In which case, it becomes he could be easier very to buy. Draw Dyson esque. Yes, that's um, I'm going to do the Marlins closer look either out today or tomorrow, Monday or Tuesday, and I I invoke that exact name along with Rajay Davis. How much Those do you guys, drink before you do that? Um. I don't drink anymore, but I had to drink mm. a lot. I had, yeah. I had to jump off. You know, I just said, I got I got to do well, it. Well, and you're cutting back on the Red Bulls too, right? Yes. And you know what? I probably had to jump them back up because this writing the Marlins yeah. put me to sleep. You just know, get the That's, IV going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I have. I've actually done a pretty decent job of, of cutting back on them too, trying to drink fewer Red Bulls. And uh, but when you start writing about the Marlins, man, what, what can you do besides turn to caffeine and, and, Illicit mm-hmm. drugs. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. no, for sure. Uh, but yeah, okay. So I'll give you one name. Just you can't say anything about him. You just say a name that you would still draft in this group, since there are so many we like. Who else? One, one name. Oh, that uh, outside of the ones we've mentioned. Outside the ones we mentioned that you'd still draft, but you don't get to co- you don't get to color in. You don't get to say why. You just say I'm still keeping an eye on this guy. Carter Kibu. I'll say Luis uh, Urias. So there we go. All right, last group. Boring veterans. And one guy who's actually still kind of young, but he kind of fits here better than the other group, whatever. It's Andrelton Simmons, who at this point now is a vet. He's not even old or anything, but he's three, uh, mm-hmm. pick 307. I think he's like, what, 28 now? Going into his age 28-ish season? Uh, is that correct? Oh, age 30. So, yeah, he is actually in the boring vets. He fits there more than I thought. Dansby Swanson, your your personal fave. Who's, who's actually 25, so not. not. Uh, exactly. So, uh, actually, two guys then yeah. that aren't quite – but they've been around for a while and they're boring. And, you know, I don't think you need to be 28 plus to be a veteran. If you've been in the league for what, three, four years now, you can be a vet. So he's going at 226, And then it's Nick Ahmed, Freddie Galvis, Chris Taylor, and Jose Peraza going even later than that. And I don't need to give their ADPs because they're, they're late. So anybody here, and I know we like to draft upside late. One thing I I want to push back on all year this year is the notion that Guys who are older uh, and are more established veterans don't have upside. I think that's uh, a, a myth that gets pushed out in fantasy a lot, that youth automatically equals upside. There are young guys who don't truly have upside. Just because they haven't done anything yet doesn't mean they have this endless upside. Meanwhile, guys who have kind of established a certain level doesn't mean that they don't have upside. So of these crusty, boring vets, who would you pick here as somebody you think could could be a – a major fantasy factor this year. Oh, this is hard. Uh, if we're talking like major, major fantasy factor, I think the guy that I'm pinpointing is one of those not old dudes. And that's Jose Peraza. Ugh. Because currently he's pegged in to be the everyday second baseman. Where is he at again? Hang on. Boston. Hang on. Oh yeah. Boston. Like, that's a really good lineup. That's kind of crazy, dude. I did not realize that. And I thought he was on one of the crap teams. People run a little bit. Uh, he'd be batting ninth, so he'd kind of, like, restart the lineup. Yeah. And, you know, if Peraza can do anything on base-wise, which has mm-hmm. not been his MO at all. Sure. But if he could get to the 2018-326, which, again, mm-hmm. isn't even great, but just give me something north of 300 – he could be a sneaky runs source because, like you said, he flips the lineup. Then it's Betts, Devers, Bogarts, JD driving him in. Yeah. 
So, okay, like, eh, I, I still can't stand him as a fantasy player, but I, I, I you sold him. If, a if bit. I'm if I'm relying on Jose Peraza to win me my league, then uh, I, I've made a lot of other mistakes in life. Yeah, I mean he's th- these are all reserves all for sure. Uh, Dansby Swanson's the other one, and as much as I like, this is like the come to Jesus podcast apparently because I've said nice things about Carlos Correa. Uh, Corey Seager so, and Dansby so Swanson. Swanson. As uh, we've always pointed out, though, your problem with Swanson was where he was going. He was being overrated, yes. and that's usually our issue with a guy. And we don't flat out just hate guys. It's usually I their mean, cost. He is too good looking for me. He is obscenely good looking. It's just and, not fair. You know, I I just don't like someone taking that shine away from me. Uh, but that. That being said, like there is a world in which Dansby Swanson uh, has a 2020 season, or at uh, least like a 2015, because I mean, like, he just needs to stay healthy, right? Because he's had exactly. he's got to stay on the field. I mean, you look at his Statcast page, and he's 88th percentile in sprint speed. Uh, all of his things are in red. Um, really? Yeah, like it's not. It's mostly pinkish. But but, but like, hey, he's got no blue. blue, yeah. So like it's he's it's weird because his defensive metrics were really down last year because uh, he's usually kind of a an above average defensive player. He still had three outs above average on the new infield mm-hmm. outs above average, which yeah. is fine, you yeah. know. So he's not he's not totally trash, and defense can fluctuate. I still mm-hmm. think that. They feel comfortable with Dansby Swanson as their starting shortstop. Day yeah, in, day I, yeah I think they, they expect him to be. So, I mean, like he had 17 home runs and stole 10 bases in 127 games last year. Uh, this is a guy that, in spite of what I think, I personally think they should be doing, they don't mind batting him second. He batted second in 65 games last year. Wait, what? Yeah, he batted second in 65 games last year. Was Ozzy Albies dead? Did I miss oh. a, a brief death for Ozzy Albies? I, I don't understand why. And he, he, the last week of the season, he let off. Um, Pardon? The last week of the season, Dansby Swanson let off. I'm angry right now. So, I mean, now, here's the thing. From, like, pretty much when he came back from injury at the end of August, until that last week of the season, really, he was batting six or eight. So, we're, so you know, we're, we're we're projecting Swanson down at the bottom, but ah, uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm still projecting him to be batting probably well with Donaldson gone, and like we talked about in terms of this lineup not being as stacked wow. as once thought. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a theoretical you know thought that he I mean he could easily bat fifth in this lineup. He could be well. He, he could also be the one, and then you put the three studs. Two through four. Yeah, I don't think they'll do that necessarily. Well, they, but you said they did it last September. Yeah, they could, but like they could, they could. They, I mean, a, a lot of <laughs> he he could bat in a lot of different places in this lineup. Um, and if he stays healthy, like they may not want to mess with him too much if he's doing you know doing a good job. Yeah, I mean that. So that's Dansby Swanson. Who was the other one you mentioned? Uh, it, uh Jose Peraza. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you already talked about him. Okay. Um, I forgot Peraza was on Boston, so that gives me that, – that's a little sell on him. Still not – I don't think I'm going to take him. But if he is 
if it, if it goes from Pencilden to Inkton as the starting second baseman, I can't fully ignore him, even mm-hmm. as a as a non-fan. Um, I've never had the disdain for Swanson that you have, so I actually kind of uh, am intrigued here and also agree that there is a path to where he's up at the top of the lineup there, either first or second. You can go Albies, Swanson, Acuna Freeman, or Swanson, Albies, Acuna Freeman, or Freeman, Acuna, mm-hmm. whatever you want. I mean, it's not completely outlandish. And I'll tell you what, in the number two hole, he did some of his best work last year. 269, mm-hmm. 332, 469. Nice. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. Hey, I, I feel I feel that. You know, guy, I, I, I have a weird affinity for, and I, I'm going to tell you why. It's a stupid reason, okay? This is a dumb, the, the smallest of small samples that you can get to, to judge anything. But I, I have not forgotten it, and it has not made me draft him in any capacity or anything like that, so maybe it's not even worth bringing up, but I will bring it up. I saw Nick Ahmed hit a tank <laughs> job at the Arizona Fall League. He went to the Arizona Fall League twice, in 12 and 13. And because it, he was it, the stadium was Phoenix that we were at, I think it was the year he played for Phoenix, the Phoenix team. Doesn't matter, he hit one in each of those seasons, but I think I saw the one that he hit for Phoenix Absolute tank job. This was in 2012. This is an eight-year-old home run. But I've always been like, could he ever get better? Because his defense is so great. Mm-hmm. Could he ever do anything that could really you know, make him fantasy viable? And lo and behold, he was pretty fantasy viable last year in a lot of deeper formats. Yeah. Nick Ahmed popped 19 homers, hit 254 with 79 runs and 82 ribbies. And don't forget, eight steals. Eight for 10. So... You know, if we're taking bench bats here, and maybe you're already, you know, this is about the team makeup thing. The one thing I don't like, I'll I'll counter myself immediately with Ahmed, is it was all excellence against lefties. He really, and he he had to volume his way against righties. And that still concerns me. A 690 OPS, not so nice against righties. 938 against lefties. But if you have a little bit more volatility in your lineup, with a bunch of rookies and, and younger guys, and you want somebody who you feel confident is going to play every day, he absolutely should because his defense is there for Arizona. Mm-hmm. They're going to keep him in there. I like their lineup. It's not star-studded, but it runs deep. So I don't hate Nick Ahmed. And like I said, a little bit of that personal tinge because I saw him hit a stupid homer. That doesn't mean anything, and I'm an idiot. And then uh, I can't quit Angleton. He's actually maybe like a um, – supercharged version of the Nick Ahmed thing where his defense absolutely guarantees his spot. He's shown flashes at different times throughout his career, which is now going on, I believe, his eighth or ninth year. He's been around for a while. As I mentioned, he's 30. Always good for double-digit steals. The pop kind of vacillates. It would have been his third straight double-digit home run season if he had played, but he only played 424 plate appearances. But if you're looking for 10 to 12 homers, and, you know, 10 to 12 steals. It's actually been 10, 19, 10, and 10. He can do worse. And his batting average is there because he, he has good contact. So even his down batting averages are a palatable something above 260 to 270 with spikes of 280s and 290s for Angleton Simmons. So they're boring vets for a reason. Neither of those uh, explanations probably get your juices flowing too much. But if you're just looking for some stability on your bench of two guys who are going to play every day because of their defense when healthy, Simmons and Ahmed. 
Yeah, these guys' stat cast pages are like the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man gift. <laughs> I'm not even surprised. That's, I didn't know like, that, but I love that they're just. I picked both the same extremely guy, red, outs above average, both both red sprint speed uh, and blue everything else. I'm, I'm glad I picked the the counterparts of each other though too, because mm-hmm. there's one NL, one AL, and that's mm-hmm. really where you should be focusing. And on they anyway. they, they both like Angels, Arizona, you know, little yep. A's on their hats. Uh, yep. Uh, I mean, both are very slick defenders that are going to play a lot and can be accumulators because of that. So, like, there, there's nothing wrong with them in only leagues and, you know, 50-round draft and holds. And uh, especially if you've got, like, like these guys are great for backups in, like, deeper formats when you draft a Correa or uh, a Seager. Because mm-hmm. if for some reason they do go down again, uh, you've got a guy you can easily plug in that you know will be there. That'll be there every day, unless mm-hmm. you know, unless they get hurt. Anderson Simmons did get hurt last year, but otherwise, sure. they've got the job, and and you kind of plan from there. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's where we're at there. Um, shortstop, remarkably deep, a lot of fun. Dive into the pool early and often. I I say I could see myself, like I said, rostering three, maybe upwards of four shortstops with positional flexibility. And uh, and one on reserve as well. I'm I'm going to I'm going to utilize this pool here, and yeah. and definitely do that. Now, could you ever see yourself in a particular draft, just the way it's kind of working out, where you try to drown the pool a little bit or drain the pool, I should say, by by you know purposely not this, not, getting not this position. There's just too many of them. Well, I guess it'd be hard to, but I mean, you go like Turner, Glaber, Machado. And that's your second, third, and short. Machado. Yeah. And then, and then get a fourth as your MI. You know, Turner, Glaber, Machado, Rosario as four of your first, like, nine picks. I don't see myself doing that unless I am drafting on the wheel and somehow either Lindor or Turner gets to me. I don't like to do too much to try to like, you know, worry about my opponents or anything like that. But this would be a way where you're, you're, you are dinging them a little bit by by lessening mm-hmm. their options. But also, you're not. It's not your only goal. That's not that you're not doing it just to do that. You're still getting great players yeah. at the four positions. I'm trying to think because I mean, if you, I'm looking at Max picks and like I mean Turner, Turner and Lindor. Neither of them have gotten to the wheel. So, like, I just can't see a scenario uh, where I'm willing to do this without one of them getting to me at the wheel and then, like, popping onto T's also. Like, it just... Oh, you're saying getting two of the very top. Yeah, yeah, because I'm just not gonna... I mean, there's... I mean, I guess with VR, you could do it because you put VR at second... Like, if I started Lindor and then I pop on VR because he falls to the third round, and then I see Correa he's sitting living out in the third there. Round. He has a 35 ADP, so he's primarily in the third round, VR is. So is Glaber. Yeah. That's why you um, could do it. I mean, they, you know. I, I don't see myself doing it, and I think it, like, I just think it's too deep of a position to really affect a lot of other people. I mean, but if you take four. 
but the, like I said, I rank fifty three freaking short stops. Sure. Like sure. so, but you you would definitely be undercutting. I, I mean, I think you're undercutting, but at what point do you do that to your own disadvantage? That's what I'm saying, though. I don't think mm-hmm. you are because I don't set out to do it to mess with the league at at your at your own detriment. What would be detrimental about it? I'm gonna go look at my my draft and hold and see if I I may have actually done it. So, <laughs> um, like that's a stupid idea. Oh, that's wait, a that really dumb idea that I did in my last draft. Uh, so I'm gonna go see because uh, I, I want to say I drafted three. I might have drafted three. Um, and for some reason, it's not letting me get to my team. Uh, oh, you got kicked out of your league. Yeah, I get. I didn't realize. I didn't realize I could be kicked out of a league get paid for, but it's yep. it's quite it possible. So, uh, let's see. I took Lindor, and then my MI was Tim Anderson, and then did you uh, second or third baseman that's eligible at short? I took Jorge Mateo. No, it's only three. Okay. Okay. So, uh, and that, I mean that's a fifty. 50 round draft and hold so yeah no i just i don't see it happening um unless there's just a a weird draft falls to me i'm not necessarily opposed to doing it if the if the right draft falls but this isn't something where like like mike Ginella and brett sayer years ago drowned the pool at shortstop uh and won the league now the funny part about it was while i really liked the strategy because shortstop was really shallow they actually drafted like two shortstops that had really bad years and they, it was the strength of the rest of their team. Um, mm-hmm. But it definitely threw the draft off where people were like, Oh no, what do we do now? Um, so I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad strategy. I don't necessarily know that I would want to do it with shortstop though. Okay. I mean, it's hard to really, you know, the position has to be deep enough and rich enough to want to do it. So it's mm-hmm. one of those things of like, you know, where, where no, you, I mean, I you think you should, do, you should do it with a shallow position. You should look at a position and go... Sure, but would there be enough there? Like, is it even... Pl- like, let's look at second base then. Okay, so you take Glaber in the third, uh, Marte in the fourth. Would you go Glaber, Marte, LeMayhew, Muncie? Uh, give me, give me one. Like, let's see. So we're talking about second base. Mm-hmm. So Lemay, uh, would be your fifth pick. Muncy would be your sixth pick. So uh, Glaber in the third or second. We'll, we'll say second to make sure that you you get him there because he he can range into the second. And then Marte would probably have he'd have to be your third. So you go you go two three there. Torres Marte in the second and third, and then like Lemayhu Muncy. No, I think could you do it with first base? I'm trying to I'm trying to no. see where the huge drop off is. It's Definitely either second not. base or third, right? So and second base is I mean, I guess you could go Bellinger first round. No, I think you do it in like third third base. Um or I guess second base could work. There's just not there aren't the guys that I really like. I guess yeah, you, I actually um, love that group that I mentioned there. I, I could see myself taking those four there. Yeah, I mean, base. I guess what it is is like you take a pitcher in the first round, or you've taken, uh, and then you double tap on VR Albies, but then you're light on power. Sure, that's why uh, I go Torres Marte. 
Yeah, you do Torres Marte, or or Torres Torres VR. Torres Albies, or Torres, Torres VR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Torres Albies works as well. Um, yeah, I just I don't I, no I, I don't like the strategy this year. I just don't think there's any position that's worth trying to drown. I disagree. Personally. I disagree. Well, I think second. Well, I think we I don't think we're going to be. We're not going to do it at labor and short. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. But we'll see. Again, it, it should be something that is kind of working in your favor, but then has an alternative benefit of, you know, undercutting your 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 opponents. There, I, I don't set out to do something. Could do like, like an Arenado Jose Ramirez. Cool with that. That's, that's something I like. Wait, does Ramirez have any eligibility? Just third base. So then you go take your third base and corner. Mm-hmm. And then you can grab a guy like Max Muncy at second. Uh, LeMayu plays second first. So does Muncy. No, Muncy for your first base. LeMayu for your second base. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, McNeil can play the outfield. They're going too Kingry. tight, though, to get all, all three Kingry of those. Gets, play, Kingry, J.D. Davis play the outfield. Yeah, you can take them later. Yeah, I think there's positions you can do it. And again, it's not what you set out to do, but if you like that group of guys, it's just that added benefit of, hey, not only did I get a, a bunch of folks I like, but I, I undercut this talent pool for yeah. my opponents there. And, you know, third base is pretty deep too. So if you want to do it at a shallow position, second has to be the choice. But I don't think it's wrong or, or out of bounds to do it at one of these deeper ones because you're still undercutting. You just might not be undercutting as many people. I, I think it's, I mean, I think the same kind of idea, but tar- targeting when you see the last guy in a tier, even if you don't need that position, going and going ahead and taking that because the talent drop off is so uh, bad and it can hurt your opponent. So I, I get, I get the idea. I don't necessarily know that I would like drown the pool in, in the traditional sense, but I, I see what you're going for and I, it's not a bad strategy. We'll see if it ends up uh, working out. All right, well, I think that's going to do it. We're pushing on two hours, which is kind of what we do, and that's why we can't talk about every single guy. Yeah. But uh, great talking because with we you. Could, we could do a three-hour pod on each oh, position. Oh, e- easy, easy. But I have to sleep eventually. Yes, you do. So go get some rest. Um, for those that will understand this as, as they see the pods, you're going to have the Sunday pod coming out Monday afternoon, and then this one coming out Monday evening. So you get the, the two for on Monday. But uh, great talking with you, Justin. I'll talk to you later this week. Take it easy. Peace.